0: Hi, everyone. Feminist Hot Dog here. Just popping in to say thank you so much for listening. The response to the podcast has been awesome, and we really want to keep it going and keep it growing. So if you dig the show and you want to support Feminist Hot Dog, please do two things. Download the episodes and leave us a quick review telling us what you like about it. That's going to help us show up in the rankings, which is super helpful for getting more listeners. So we've had a lot of fun and we are looking forward to some inspiring guests in 2019 and even looking at possibly doing some merch. So stay tuned, keep listening, give us a download, give us a rating, and most importantly, love yourself and love your buns. Here's the show. Please don't go, I need you so I... (coughs) So, all right, well, here we are. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Christine. This is Feminist Hot Dog, the news, humor, and cultural survival podcast by, for, and about women. And I'm here today with Christine Sloan Stoddard, visual artist, writer of poems and books, and many other other things which we will hear about. And um, from what I can tell from internet stalking you, general all around creative ass kicker. So welcome to the show.
1: Wow, thank you. That was quite the intro, ass kicker. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> I have that if you want to change your bio on any of your, on any of your websites. Creative ass <laughs> kicker. Um, so you are someone like you who has a really varied set of skills. Um, what do you say when you meet someone at a party and they're like, oh, what do you do? Which is the first thing people say at parties. Uh, what do you say? What's your elevator speech about about what you're about? I say
1: I'm a writer and an artist. And then if they care to know more, I'll go into particulars, depending on the crowd, right? Depending on the party, (laughs) depending on where I am. I have different conversations when I'm in New York City versus when I go home in Mm. Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, When I'm in Virginia, and even depending on the part of Virginia, um, or if I'm in DC, Maryland, like that whole region, like here in New York I think so many people do a little bit of everything anyway and Mm -hmm. it's really really normal to have a podcast and a book and also teach art to children and senior citizens and do corporate gigs corporate speaking and consulting that kind of that whole mixed bag whereas in Virginia if I tell people like yeah so I'm doing 10 things because I have to pay my bills and fulfill myself creatively. They're like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) How much is your rent again? (laughs) When do you sleep?
0: (laughs) Those are important questions for anyone who lives in New York, I think. Yeah. How much is your rent
1: and how much do you sleep? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the the short answer is I say I'm a writer and an artist. Um, I think that's broad enough. Uh, and then if I want to go into detail, I do. And then sometimes I'll use the F word, you know, feminist, (laughs) like I make feminist art and I make, do feminist, feminist poetry, write feminist books. Um, but you know, other times I, I see, I already sense there's going to be resistance to that. So I'm not going to bring it up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think most feminists have that sixth sense where they're like, yeah. hmm, is this is this a road I can go down with this person? Or and sometimes you might be in the mood to go down it and sometimes you're like, I'm gonna go get a drink. See ya.
1: Yeah, it it depends on how tired
0: I am that day
1: to like and and I never want to talk down to people either.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Like I I want their like I want to start conversations sometimes, not yeah. always yeah. <laughs> and I I'm completely also,
0: understand
1: and sometimes i'm i'm more open to to having people talk with me about whatever it is they want to talk about too, um, but other times, yeah, i'm just tired <laughs> I need a break, I need a drink, I need my party
0: snack. <laughs> yep. I think that's completely completely fair, well, on the topic of starting conversations, this is, as I was telling you earlier, this is a big deal for me because you are the first person I've had on the show that I don't know IRL in real life. Um, And I just want to share the story of how we met online because I think it's a good one. And I think it also qualifies as a good thing that came out of a bad thing. Um, So I started Feminist Hot Dog after the Brett Kavanaugh hearings back in October of this year, which is wild that it, That seems so long ago to me (laughs) for some reason, but um, but it really wasn't. And I came across an interview with you on the Ms. Magazine blog, and and which featured some of your beautiful poetry. And I just remember reading in this interview, you said the Kavanaugh debacle ignited me with the same sense of urgency I felt when Trump was elected. I am eager to express myself and desperate to collaborate with like. minded artists and writers and you went on to say art is even more necessary in times of crisis and i read that and i was like fuck yes and so yeah. i retweeted it and um you saw it and that's how we ended up getting connected in the sort of beautiful slash terrible world of twitter um, <laughs> and, here, and here we are so so a good thing that came out of a bad thing i I will post that interview when i um when I add this episode to um the website too so I would love to hear a little more about you and and what you're working on now. You have written several books and you have a new book coming out in twenty nineteen is that right yeah
1: yeah I have Well, I have one that's coming out at the beginning of the year, and then I have a couple others that are coming out later in the year. The one that's coming out first is Belladonna Magic, and that's Mm a poetry and photography book. And it's a lot more positive, (laughs) a lot more uplifting than some of the other books that I've written, um, just because I wanted to make something that was sparkly and magic and hopefully... um, yeah just lift the spirits of my readers like give them some of that good old women's empowerment um feeling and whereas some of the other things i've written have been more about family trauma personal trauma um just navigating womanhood and different aspects of identity racial identity ethnic identity um i come from a a mixed background a bicultural background um Salvadoran on my mother's side my mom is from El Salvador and then my dad is American um but he's very proud of his Scottish heritage Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so just thinking a lot of my my previous work has thought been me thinking a, a lot about what it means to be uh Latinx, uh, mixed race, biracial, like just all these different categories, often serious stuff. (laughs) Uh, Some of it has been presented in a more humorous way, like my book, Harlem Mestiza, I've been told is pretty funny. (laughs) Um, But yeah, with with Belladonna Magic, I just wanted to be sparkly. Well, I have to say the
0: cover (laughs) art is really popping i I, i'll post that to the website too i was like wow that is that is an image people will people are gonna pick that book up when they see it for sure
1: yeah so people have been asking how i've made that image um i made this vulva out of air dry clay like crayola clay oh wow children use (laughs) in school or in summer camps uh and then i let that dry you normally have to let air dry clay dry about 24 hours if it's a bigger piece than longer but for smaller things like a day is good and then I uh, painted it with nail polish old nail polish that I didn't mm. like how it looked on my fingernails anymore but I thought you know I could still use this as a coloring of some kind um, and then I photographed the little sculpture after it dried and then I made a digital composite of uh, of photos of flowers over I overlaid that photo um on top of the sculpture photo so that's how that image
0: was made well if, <laughs> if that doesn't qualify as artistic ass kicking I don't know what does <laughs> Thanks. I love it. anything else you'd like to share with us before we start talking about our feminist heart a little bit. Okay, so a couple
1: other books. So I worked uh, with the awesome Richmond, Virginia-based artist Sammy Cronk. She's a talented illustrator. She also makes sculptures and small paintings, and we did a children's book. That is coming out from uh, Claire Songbird's publishing house in 2019, spring of 2019. Uh, it's called The Book of Quails, and it's all about Quails, the little bird. (laughs) Just what is a quail? What do they eat? What is their like mating ritual? What is just all? What is quail life? Yeah, what is quail life? (laughs) That's so. And I wrote that book. Like sometimes I hear, "Oh, Christine, you write stuff all the time." Like, yeah, I wrote that book in 2013, and Sammy illustrated it in 2014, and. I pitched it a couple places, it was rejected. I kind of just let it sit uh, for a year or two because I was feeling discouraged, wanted to place my energy other places. And then at the beginning of this year, after I had started submitting it, uh, some other places last year I heard back and I got the acceptance and Sammy and I were like wow this thing we never thought was going to happen <laughs> because we made this like four or five years ago is
0: finally happening <laughs> it was it was time it was quail time the quails yeah are having their moment we are going to talk now about what our, what made our feminist hearts sing this week, and last week I started doing a new thing that um, I'm going to keep it going, where I talk about a new um, a podcast that's new to me, this is not a new podcast, but new to me, and um, a podcaster who is part of the Lady Pod Squad that I've been um, communicating with recently, who, which is a, a group of very badass woman podcaster. So the podcast I'm going to feature this week is called Beyond Six Seconds, and it's hosted by Carolyn Keel. And I um, I mentioned this every once in a while, I've made an Instagram story about it, that I'm a little bit of a self-help life hacker junkie. I don't know. Is it okay to say junkie in this in this social climate with this opioid oh, epidemic? Maybe that's not a good word a good to question. use. I'm a self-help... Um, <laughs> fan, yes, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, so I love to read books and blogs and listen to podcasts about sort of how to elevate your life. So um, this podcast is like a little treasure trove of conversations with all these really interesting people and who, you know, not all, not all of it is self-help, but a lot of it is, you know, people who have like overcome barriers or they just have really interesting unique stories or they've done something kind of unusual or unexpected. Um, and a lot of the sort of life hacker podcasts focus on one method or one thing. And then they really want you to also like buy the book and drink the Kool-Aid and join the online community. And there's like a whole like self-help empire, like built around whatever like their thing is. Um, <laughs> But this podcast is different. So the idea behind the title, the six-second, six um, beyond six seconds, is that she wants to sort of move beyond, um, find the sort of the depth and the texture and the beauty um, beyond sort of the snap judgments that we make about um, people and ideas, and create a platform for innovative people to showcase their stories and talents, mm-hmm. and. Um, Talk about how they are making the world a better place. So anything from, I mean, she talks with guests who talk about things like creating new habits, um, feng shui for healing homes and businesses, teaching girls to make apps the practice of minimalism, rebooting your life after a major catastrophe, finding your purpose, unlocking big ideas. So it's kind of a, a mix of a, a lot of different things, many of which sort of have to do with elevating your life. And um, her hope is that the diversity of ideas represented um, Will help listeners in many different areas of their lives, which I think is so cool. So, hats off to you, uh, Carolyn, and I, I love Beyond Six Seconds because I think it's there's really kind of something for everyone there. And that's my first thing. I have two, but I want to let you um, you share share yours.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, there is this amazing glass school in Brooklyn. It's actually the biggest glass school in all of New York City. It's a combined glass and studio space for professional glass makers. So they can come in and if they have an order for a chandelier, they can make a chandelier, like rent studio space, studio time, and make a chandelier and mail it off to their clients. And they have this fabulous scholarship program for women um It's supposed to be like a women's empowerment kind of thing. Women are super underrepresented in the glass field like mm. it's definitely this macho considered this macho um Thing. Like, sculpture in general is more, unfortunately, still has this macho vibe to it, and there's this whole culture. Like, yes, we need to be big, manly men in order to move these heavy materials and deal with high heat and all these dangerous blah, blah, blah. Um, but what – so they, they have – Urban Glass has this scholarship program to make women – uh, more comfortable with glass. And they start by teaching you how to make glass beads. So like this, the whole idea is, okay, we'll start with this tiny thing where there's still, there's still high heat involved. Right. You there can still, still some, get some chemicals. Are yeah, there's still chemicals. Burns. You you can get burned. It, it's not so much fun. Um, I was part of this scholarship program uh, starting in September and it ended in November, but we everything was free to us and we could rent, uh, well not even rent, it, book studio time. Um, we had class once a week, but otherwise we could just use the studio um, and experiment and practice and make glass things. Um, the program ended on November 11th, so about a month ago. And on December eleventh, <laughs> my glass teacher followed me on Instagram and she she's super accomplished um, she not just in glass but like all kinds of art and she followed me on Instagram, which that alone like it sounds so silly, but was it, it was this moment of oh my gosh she still remembers me a month mm-hmm. later <laughs> because she's so busy her name's uh amy la she has been an artist in residence at the museum of art and design she's had exhibitions like everywhere and she started like leaving very personal comments on my posts on instagram about different projects that i had made and Like in, in the scholarship program, it it was only 10 weeks. So it's long and it's short in a way, you know, like it's long enough to get to know the other women in your class a little bit, get to know their stories a little bit. Like, why are they, why do they need a full, uh, scholarship for a glass program at this point in their lives like Mm -hmm. what kind of transition are they going through what kind of career change like why do they feel that they need a group of women um and why do they need women's empowerment at this point in their lives um and it's also so 10 weeks is so short because it's like you just start to learn the fundamentals of of glass in 10 weeks you haven't even really started to like you can make five little things you know (laughs) it's not like you're like in glass kindergarten
0: yes yeah yeah (laughs) and i
1: have all these really ugly beads like the ugliest beads (laughs) and hopefully the ugliest ones i will ever make because i plan to improve from here (laughs) but just the fact that this very accomplished, busy uh, New York artist who, by the way, like she never, even though she was very busy, she would make time for us. Like during those 10 weeks, she, if we had questions, if we wanted to see her outside of class, she was there. She made herself available. But just the fact that she like followed me on social media and started leaving all these adorable comments and she was already somebody that I admired and thought was down to earth, which is so, so rare in the New York art world. I know it's a stereotype, but I think it's one that holds true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that made my little feminist heart sing.
0: Well, on, this, on the topic of connection, the other thing I wanted to share is um, I don't even quite know how to start talking about it. So my friend sent me a link to a new YouTube series that is being published by an organization called Advocates for Youth. And Advocates for Youth advances policies and champions programs that recognize young people's rights to honest sexual health information Mm. Accessible, confidential, and affordable sexual health services, resources, and opportunities necessary to create sexual health equity for all youth. And I think that they do an especially good job highlighting the needs of LGBTQ youth who often are not given um, adequate information about their sexual health at all or if they do it's basically like don't get aids and (laughs) (laughs) avoid these bad things right exactly avoid these bad things and if they happen to you then like you're fucked. too bad Not you know not super problem exactly so um i was like oh okay well i'm you know i could be down with this so i click on the link and who pops up but this guy named um louis ortiz fonseca who is um I didn't realize that this was him, but I've seen him speak at conferences before, um, particularly about um, equitable sex education and reaching LGBTQ youth and kind of meeting them where they're at and particularly with youth of color, um, how to do that in a way that is empowering and, and in fact, give, you know, recognizes their agency, recognizes their identity and yeah. treats them um, like people and not just as, like, um, at-risk people, quote-unquote. Right. So um, this web series is called Kikis with Louie, and it is a YouTube series um, featuring honest This – I'm quoting here – honest, deep conversations about the most challenging issues facing queer youth, relationships, sexuality, health, culture, and more – and um, they define a kiki as a kiki is a shame-free and reflective conversation about life, love, and life's challenges. Too many LGBTQ young people, especially youth of color, face toxic environments and overwhelming challenges with little or no support from family, community, or schools. That's why kikis are so necessary. So, I, so this, I think, just launched um, in November, and it's going to go through i believe september of 2019 it's going to come out every other week and i watched sort of the little trailer episode and just the i'm like <laughs> I'm yeah. so into this and i can't i'm like going to try to think about like everyone i could possibly send this to to get these out into the world because i just these interviews look first of all they seem very fun and empowering there's Mm -hmm. a lot of laughter there's a lot of realness there's you know there's art dance costuming cooking hanging out i mean it's just sort of a real spectrum of folks in a lot of um different walks of life and uh, you know and also louis is just like an incredibly funny personable just down-to-earth guy who you know that's why he's such a popular speaker because people mm-hmm. connect to him immediately. He's a great storyteller. And so I think he's really capitalizing on his um, charisma and storytelling ability to, to really make this work. So that made my feminist heart, my intersectional feminist heart, save <laughs> big time. Um, so I'm just so here for that. Um, also, as an aside, if you haven't heard the song, Let's Have a Kiki by the Scissor Sisters, um, walk, don't run. <laughs> no, wait, run, don't walk. That's what i <laughs> the other one (laughs) um, or crawl or however you however However you you move uh, to um, iTunes and download it immediately um and it's it's brilliant so um so yeah that's that's what made my heart sing this week okay so we're gonna um give some advice now oh god you are are (laughs) dear feminist hot dog portion I think that this is a great one for you. Um, oh. Uh, well, I hope so anyway. We'll see. Because, because you do so much and you have a lot going on. And I imagine, um, however, that there must be times when you, maybe you have felt like this listener. I certainly have. Um, so so I'll read the letter and then, and then we'll see what you think. Yeah. Dear Feminist Hot Dog, I was always someone who has been able to psych myself up and other people up and figure things out make plans, accomplish goals, and generally um, kick ass at life. Until I wasn't. Two two months ago, I experienced a major disappointment. A job and career change that I worked really hard for didn't happen, and I can't seem to get my groove back. Hmm. I know a big part of it is self-pity, but I worry that it's more. Maybe I just permanently ran out of steam my passion and creativity are gone, and so is my motivation to get passionate or creative about a new project or job or anything, really. Everything seems so hard and the idea of focusing on a new goal feels completely overwhelming. Even when I draw on all my previous tricks to help me get my ass in gear, they don't work anymore. So my question is, am I doomed to lacklusterness? Is it possible no. to peak? <laughs> is it possible oh. to peak too early in life? And if that's true, how do I make friends with my new low achieving self? Signed, Missing My Mojo, P.S. Please don't just tell me that I have depression and need to talk to someone.
1: Oh. 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 Yeah, that is hard. But I feel like every quote unquote high achiever does go through a period like this at least once right and it's normal it is normal and you have to be really aware of who your friends and family are and what their mm-hmm. habits are and and make sure that you have people who are going to be honest with you i'm not saying like straight up cheerleaders but they they need to advocate for you too and and tell you like yeah you're awesome you need to keep being awesome don't stop being awesome because of some major disappointment
0: the two month thing stood out to me in this letter. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think two months feels like a really long time when you're down in the dumps. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're generally like killing it at life and then you have sort of a, some bit, you know, you get knocked down in kind of a big way, like be gentle with yourself. Two right. months is like, it's, it's not okay to lay low for a couple of months, honey. Yeah. Like It's really, um, it, you're just, you're healing and rebuilding and I don't think that, I don't think it means that you're never going to accomplish or want to accomplish anything ever again. I think that, like you said, I think it seems very normal.
1: Yeah, and and depression could definitely be a part of it and there might have, they might have to make some uh, kind of medical adjustments and see a professional, and that's fine. That's also okay, and shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't be
0: stigmatized. I like I like your point about who think about who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah, like, even if you don't have it in you to like journal or run ten miles or you know do affirmations every day or whatever you know whatever yeah. it was that you were doing to keep you keep yourself on track, even if you're not into that. At the very least, if you can surround yourself with people who are positive and you know reflects good things back to you
1: yeah.
0: um, and who themselves maybe are you know kind of working working toward goals in their own lives, I think yeah. that that go, that can go a long way, even if it's kind of not where you are at that moment um, that that environment can be very. Invigorating and healing, and then you know, slowly, eventually, you may. There would be small things that you start doing every day, like yeah, I'm gonna make myself, lunch today, or yeah. um, you know, even just like incorporating a little bit of self-care into your life, because the right the worst thing you can do is start beating yourself up on top of also yeah. feeling like a loser because you didn't get a job. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I didn't get the job, and. I'll never accomplish anything else in my whole yeah. life.
1: Going back to surrounding yourself with positive people, in doing that, it's also important not to compare yourself to those mm-hmm. people, right? Because you you hopefully have friends who lift you up, um, but they might be at different stages in their life. You should – it just don't turn it into a competition because that makes – an ugly time, even uglier. And it's not productive. You're just gonna feel worse about yourself. And what your friends are doing doesn't have a lot to do with you because you're on different paths. Um like in some ways I've definitely been a late bloomer, quote unquote. But in other ways I'm ahead of my friends in life. Like I'm married and mm-hmm the majority of my friends are not married, which is fine, because why, if you haven't met the right person, or if you don't want to get married, why would you get married, you know? Right, (laughs)
0: yeah, getting married for the sake of getting married is not an accomplishment. Right,
1: exactly, exactly, or um, I was, I was the last of my friends to get her first kiss, you know, in high school. <laughs> Did that make me a bad person? Did that make me like a failure somehow? No, we're just different people. Like, why am I going to go kissing somebody if I don't feel like kissing somebody, you know?
0: <laughs> that, yeah, that's like the opposite of what you want your first kiss to be.
1: Yeah, like just you're different than your friends. Again, you want positive people. You You should surround yourselves with, Yourself with people who have goals and work toward their goals, um, but that doesn 't mean you need to com- start comparing every little thing because as much as you might share some of the same values as your friends, your values are still different, and mm. there's still nuances between what you want and what your friends want, or at least there should be like you shouldn 't all be carbon copies of <laughs> <laughs> you can have the same general principles, but <laughs>
0: But yeah, you want to diversify your friend group a little bit if you're yeah, all. Doing, yeah, yeah, like think say.
1: differently.
0: <laughs> I think that's a really good point about not comparing, and also, I'm thinking about this the way this question is phrased. Like, you don't have to also compare yourself to who you were three right. or four or five months ago. Like, yeah. if your goals right now are just to kind of like feel a little better about life. That might be a totally different approach to your goals, then, like, I'm going to, like, start this whole new career thing. Like, maybe that's yeah, off the I table know. for right now, but if what your, what your job is, you know, or your goals are right now is to kind of get your mojo back, that, um, that doesn't, then you don't necessarily have to be, like, doing all this, like, super creative, like, quote-unquote societally yeah. um, accepted, like, productive stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you can be doing, like, little things within your own life, um, just to, just move yourself forward, you know, even in terms of how you feel about who you are and kind of where you're at. So, um, yeah, I I think that not, not comparing is, that's good. That's a good. Yeah.
1: And then I've, and also a two month period is a great time to reevaluate what you want. Like you were saying, you're not the same person you were five or six months ago. Well, who was that person? What did that person want? And why did that person want those things? And what mm. has changed? Like, maybe you didn't get the job, but is that the job that was right for you at this time? Maybe you'd be better suited doing something else. It could be in the same field, but maybe a different role. Or you, you just weren't thinking about you, <laughs> about yourself, about who you really are and what you really want which is so easy to do when you have so so many external pressures saying like be this way do this thing make this much money make this happen live in this neighborhood
0: well i think i think we've done well by missing my mojo i think
1: yeah I think yeah She's gonna Go be okay it, you'll be fine
0: <laughs> i think she's gonna be okay and um even even if there is a little bit of depression going on i think um give it give it some time. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be depressed for, you know, like six months. If you start to, if things start to go downhill, I hope you do talk to somebody, but I think not comparing yourself, surrounding yourself with some positive people who are not going to make you question who you are and just re refocusing on a new goal um, that's yeah. less about accomplishment and more about just like Being okay with who you are, I think, is those are some good things to do. All right. Well, we are going to talk about the feminist hall of fame. Woo hoo! Badass women. (laughs) Do you? Would you like to go first? Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. 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 So. I am nominating somebody who is both my friend (laughs) and uh, I would say a leader in her field. Her name is Denise Ataman. Uh, She is Turkish-American. She is from Lynchburg, Virginia, originally. And now she lives in Brooklyn. Um, She's a graduate of the University of Virginia, which to certain people means very, very wonderful things. She was an editor for Quail Bell Magazine, a literary magazine that I run. Uh, She worked at Virginia Living Magazine. She's done a lot of her own work in music and film and poetry. But now she is a managing editor of Perfumer and Flavorist, which is a trade publication. So you're not going to find it at Barnes & Noble. Uh, But if you work in the perfume and fragrance industry as a chemist or a marketer or a graphic designer, whatever, uh, then you know her name <laughs> and you know her magazine. Um, and she's, she's 31, but she took over this role when she was 26, 26. Wow. And chemists will come up to her at conferences and say, we can see how much you've changed the magazine. Um, already because it used to be, I mean, trade publications have a reputation an unfair reputation, I think for being boring, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is something that's full of jargon. Uh, only like people who are bored at work are going to look at this magazine. Nobody's going to share these articles on social media. Nobody's going to email these articles to their friends. They're just flipping through a newsletter at work because their boss told them to do it. (laughs) Um, but she's elevated the magazine, um, she started a podcast for it, they have a video interview series now because of her, um, and they also just have articles now that highlight, highlight uh, different parts of the world mm. and, and women. Um, in ways that the magazine didn't do before. It used to be a lot more European-centric, a lot more American-centric. And now, like they did an article on Vanilla in Madagascar, for instance. They've, she's just trying to take the team uh, around the world, literally. There's a lot of travel that her writers do now, that she does now, that the publication didn't do in the past. So I'm proud of her for taking this magazine and just bringing it to this new place. Um, especially when we keep hearing that journalism is dying, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also perfume and flavor is a super—it's a very scientific field. Like there's a lot of chemistry involved, and she had no experience in chemistry. She had experience in writing. She studied psychology at UVA. Um, So she's editing a lot of scientific documents and a lot of articles that chemists have written and trying to make them more appealing and more approachable to, Mm. like, perfume marketers who... are are thinking about pretty smells and and what kind of photos they're going to use in their marketing campaigns. They're not... So she's injecting some
0: art into the science. Yeah,
1: yeah. And she's directing photo shoots too. She's working with the art director on the cover. She's making sexy covers. This magazine did not previously have
0: sexy... I don't mean like... I'm in a trade magazine Stop. about perfume and slavery. <laughs> it seems very like sensual. Like it I was should, Oh, she too. uses that word all the time. Yeah, yeah, it should
1: be, right? But I think like in the past, uh, some of the leadership was thinking just a little bit too literally about molecules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's not lab, sexy.
1: Yeah, I mean labs can be sexy, but you gotta make them sexy. Right. You know? <laughs> you have to make science sexy. For the average person, because the average person is not going to appreciate science. Science has a lot of cool stuff going on, but it has to be packaged.
0: Mm-hmm. Certain
1: um, so I think that's amazing. And she's been teaching herself, because she was the one who said, oh, I'm going to start a podcast at the magazine. I'm going to start a video series at the magazine. She has taught herself all of the different software. Like, she trained herself. And her, her boss is a man, um, which I wish was something I didn't have to say, <laughs> right? Uh, but he, to his credit, he has said, like, "Just run with it. Like, you have a vision. I want you to realize this vision." Mm-hmm. So She's had to teach herself a lot. She's had to do all kinds of studying on her own, all kinds of market research, uh, But she's doing it, and I, that's just amazing. Um, That's
0: really inspiring.
1: Yeah, yeah, because especially a lot of creative people will say that their day job doesn't give them a chance to be creative and to take new chances. Um, She does have a lot of stress. She does have a lot of responsibility. But gosh darn it, she does get to take chances and try new things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for telling us about her. Yeah. Um, My inductee is a woman named Alison Bechtel, um, who is a cartoonist and I would say a visionary and she is also the originator of the Bechtel test. The Bechtel test is actually um, it's, a, it's a test to sort of evaluate how feminist a film is. Well, maybe not how feminist it is, oh, okay, but whether yeah, a film... Yeah. Um, does that ring a bell? Yes, it does. <laughs> and it, in terms of like, does the film grant the female characters any level of depth? So yeah. it um, it has to to pass the Bechdel test. It has the film has to meet three criteria. One, it has to have at least two women in it who have names. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Um, two, the women need to talk to each other. <laughs> And three, they need to talk to each other about something other than a man. Uh, so, <laughs> which is amazing how many films do not pass this test when you really think about it. Um, wow. So, and the test was popularized by Allison's comic, uh dykes to watch out for in 1985 so this that's the reason why i decided to to highlight her because i i just heard about this recently and in my i thought oh well this must be like this new thing that like came out of the twitter sphere or something so i started looking looking into it no it's been around since 1985 so how is it Mm -hmm. that i had never heard of this before i have no idea um but i think we need to like Bring it back and yeah. um, talk about it more, or maybe it's already been back, and I'm just like living in a cave or something. So, um, but Allison is a very interesting. Once I started kind of figured out more about her, I was like, oh well, she's one to know for sure. Yeah, so she um, she started drawing comics in the early '80s and became well known for a strip called uh, Dykes to Watch Out For, which is where the Bechdel test, I think, was became popularized in '85, and so I'm quoting here from her website. She says, Dykes to watch out for became a countercultural institution among lesbians and discerning non-lesbians all over the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and according to Ms. Magazine Yeah, according to Ms. Magazine, the award winning um, generational chronicle has been called one of the preeminent oeuvres in the comics genre, period. So um, she this is, you know been running for a long time it yeah. appeared in a number of publications including seven days woman news and and ms too i think i think mm-hmm. that's right um but but she also self-published and promoted it too for for a long time and and the comic strip really addresses a lot of overlapping personal and political themes it's it's very realistic and and kind of wry portrayals of women primarily lesbian lives um yeah. and it's it's great it's really um worth, and she's published several several books of collections of, of the strips as well. So for a long time they were kind of independent um, of one another and then there was sort of a core group of characters that emerged that started appearing regularly in these strips. So in 2006 Allison published a graphic memoir called Fun House that, or excuse me, Fun Home um, that was adapted into a musical that won a Tony Award in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, she's extremely accomplished. She's Taught um, at taught art and drawing at the college level in 2014. She was awarded a MacArthur Genius Grant. Damn, um, okay, yeah. Alison's <laughs> Allison, been she's known what's up for a long time. Um, in 2017, she was she lives in Vermont. She was appointed as Vermont's third cartoonist laureate, which I just I cool. love that that's a thing, and of course, like yeah. in Vermont that's a thing. Um, <laughs> And she still draws dikes to watch out for occasionally when inspiration strikes. And recently, um, drew an a, a installation of the strip about surviving the Trump era with your sanity intact, which was Ooh. which was great, and which I will link um, on the on the website. And I really related to and loved so much. So, mm-hmm. um, and then of course the Bechtel test, this legacy of hers that I think. Um, you can. There's a a great introductory video about it called the Bechtel test um, for women in movies, mm-hmm. which I'll link to also, and you can read more about it on feministfrequency.com. So um, she's she just falls in the category of people I can't believe I never heard of, um, and if I haven't heard of her, maybe other people haven't either. So let's all turn on to Allison Bechtel because she's um, a badass, and yeah, and I love um I love her art, I love what she's about, I love the test, and so welcome to the hall of fame, Allison. Well, Christine, I think we could just keep talking and talking and for like five, five episodes worth of talking. I love <laughs> having you as a guest. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. This is a good time to break because I had a lot of coffee, <laughs>
0: you know <what> I mean, <laughs> I had too much coffee. All right. Well, we will, we will let you move on with your day. Thank you so much yeah, uh, thank for being you. on the podcast and thank you all so much for listening our theme music is by ava luna and loyalty freak music and thanks again for being here love yourself love your buns goodbye